recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with Coach Renee Dreyfus and Matt Peters. Bring the bell and let's get it on. This is, uh, I'm rusty. Oh, I pressed the button too soon. I'm rusty. Hi, I'm actually Matt Peters, not rusty. <laughs> you know, name changes are fine. I'm going through a phase right now. Uh, welcome back to the Martial Culture Podcast. It's been on a little bit of hiatus as uh, things were in flux during the month of December, uh, but the audience have spoken, and we're back. So, um, Renee, over here. It's all here. Matt's fault. It's all, well, it's somebody's mm-hmm. fault. I don't know if it's mine, but we can throw the blame on me. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, it, I'm glad to be back. I, I uh, definitely missed our conversations, and um, you know, I had to make my own puns into the mirror, and they were not solid. I've got a few raring to go. Ready to go. Um, but, yeah, no, you know, it's a shame we, we unfortunately lost our, our space. And um, no, but it's great to be back. We have a new space now, and it's even better. So sometimes change is good. Change, change uh, is a spur to, to improvement. And yep. it just seems like that's exactly what happened. We only did like two episodes in the new space. <laughs> then we had to move to I know. all new spot. But, you know, like you said, change, this is change definitely can be good. Definitely um, much, much more spacious. We're making moves. We can get a whole bunch of more people in here. We'll fill these mics up with uh, people that are far more intelligent than I uh, to have more in-depth in- analysis of uh, you know martial arts and all those cool things. Um, but obviously the UFC event last night, and there's, there's probably been a lot of things that we missed over the last month that we need to yeah, catch up on. Yeah, so yeah, this, this episode is going to be a little bit of catch-up, but we can start with... Um, the UFC fight that last night that I unfortunately didn't watch. I saw some of the highlights this morning. Um, I'm old, so I went to sleep. Um, but I'm I was definitely rooting for, for, for Stipe. <laughs> Why? Well, you, oh, yeah, you were rooting for Stipe, and then you were rooting against Daniel Cormier? Yes. Why? I don't like him. Why not? Personally, I just do not like the guy. He's guys. such a Boy Scout. Boy Scout. He's a, he's, a, he's a nice guy in that he keeps his nose clean. He doesn't do drugs. He doesn't get in trouble. But he just has this, like, Jerk quality that I you see. You know what? You know what? I, I I don't know him personally, but I will. Let me tell you what happened last night. Um, we can go through the fights, and one thing that impressed me, and and this goes about martial arts, and and my theory is a lot larger idea of what martial arts is. Is you know, martial arts was developed um, uh, for altruistic purposes. I always said that you know you're developed to to protect your loved ones, your family. So uh, teams, we look at we look at. Um, Martial arts, and we don't see it as a team sport. We see the individual. Mm-hmm. One guy gets in the ring, he fights, he gets all the glory. But I made this, I made this announcement to my to my guys in my academy recently. Is this martial arts is not a team sport? I'm not an individual sport. It's a team sport because you are the sum of the work that your training partners gave to you. You need your friends, you need your teammates, you need your training partners. You have to be a good member of the team and selfless because your fight's going to come up, but then sometime in the future, uh, 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 you're going to have to help your friend and pay it back and, and always be a giving, selfless person. And everything I've heard about Daniel Cormier, one, he's the captain of their squad at AKA, but everything I've heard of him is he is such a team player and such a great member of the academy. He's always like, the last guy out of the academy helping people get better. And yesterday, after he won, his big moment, he really, you know, did a, uh, a virtuoso performance in, in, in terms of, you know, one-sided victory. What does he do? And, and it's been very emotional because obviously he was, uh, wasn't the winner and then he was because John Jones was stripped and blah, blah, blah. This extremely emotional ride for him. 
the first thing he does after he says it was a great you know thing he starts talking about his teammates Khabib he's like Khabib will be the next champion and then he talks about Cain Velasquez and he talks about his AKA he wasn't uh, he's not a narcissist mm. and and a lot of fighters uh, they have this toxic n- narcissism and they're me, 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 and they can be very selfish people. And I was extremely uh, moved that in his moment of the limelight, in the moments where he has really captured the title, what does he do? He doesn't think of himself. He thinks of his, his mm-hmm. training partners, his team. And, and he really is like, oh, I, you know, you guys, Khabib is going to be here next and winning and then uh, Cain Velasquez and this. And I happened to see an interview this morning on Fox Sports that he gave. And it was the same thing. He was really talking about uh, uh, his team and, and, and it wasn't about me, me, me. Mm-hmm. And that, that impressed me. And, and maybe you see a side of him that I don't see. Uh, obviously, um, mm. uh, you know, we see different things and we mirror different aspects of, of other people. So I'm not discounting what you say, but I, I was very impressed with him. Personally, I, I don't like his fighting style in some ways, technically, but as a person, I... Uh, I never found him to be off-putting. You know, you you make good points, and and if well, I'm not, thank you. If, You're the only one who thinks so. <laughs> if I'm not going to be unwavering, you know, I have to be willing to change my opinions. And and I think I'm looking through it through uh, John Jones' lens. And I was a big supporter of John Jones, and I, I even still am a big supporter of John Jones. And I am on his side. I mean, I can't defend all of his actions or, or a majority of his actions. And you I know, think, hitting a woman yeah. who's pregnant and and driving away. You know, not We've a all big been deal. There, right? Yeah, of course. Um, <laughs> but you know, I'm from Rochester, and John Jones from Rochester, so hometown pride kind of stuff. Oh, that's right, that's right. You know, he used to train up there in, in a, an academy called. Um, oh shoot! Um, I should know this. <laughs> um, yeah, it was um, uh, not proving grounds. Um, oh shoot! I forgot what it was called, but there's an academy up there that he got started in, yeah. and that's right in your neck of the woods. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Bomb Daniel. squad. Bomb, Bomb squad. squad. Bomb yeah. squad. I don't know Cormier on a, on a personal level. Um, he's a great athlete, fantastic wrestler. Um, so, I think maybe I'm wrong, uh, and I'm willing to admit that. That, but I don't. I don't feel like he. I don't feel like he deserves the title. As far as like now, that is a different story. That is a totally different subject. I get exactly what you're saying, and we can talk about the fight. I'm, excuse me, I'm just eating a bagel. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, after watching his fight, and, and definitely he had a dominant performance, mm-hmm. but he had a terrible start. And he's striking while effective is not efficient. There's significant problems in the way he moves. And I'd like to talk about that in, in detail. And, and that brings me to the fact that I don't think he'll ever beat John Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, if John Jones trains, obviously John Jones came into the Gustafson's fight. As I understand, he didn't even do one day of of, of hard training. That's insane. Um, so obviously he has these kind of self destructive qualities. But John Jones's um, cl- movement, the efficiency of his movement in striking, the efficiency of his transitions are uh, light years ahead of Cormier, and that mm-hmm. is a fact. Um, John Jones, if you fought Cormier right now. Probably even walking off a, uh, I would say <laughs> a barstool, bender. but a yeah, bender, a cocaine table. <laughs> it's still probably he would beat him, yeah. which is I hate to say because obviously Cormier is a hard worker, mm-hmm. but there's just certain um, fundamental flaws in the way he moves. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, everybody made fun of Conor McGregor about how he t- he hired the movement coach. Um, I forgot the movement coach's name, but he he's a 
this have you ever seen that like Conor McGregor's movement coach I think so I'm yeah you do these kind of weird kind of like um, they, uh, when people are making fun of him saying oh it's playing touch butt because they, <laughs> they, they do these weird movements that look like a cross between yoga ballet and gymnastics mm-hmm. but it's a significant of research saying that you know these movement uh, oriented systems uh, training systems uh, and and this goes back actually to the the Gracies too. They help you develop a much higher level of proprioception, which is a, a sense of your body in space. Basically, when you close your eyes, you're going to have a a, a map of what where your body is in space, and the 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 more. Uh, refine that map is the the better you can move as an athlete. I want to put my foot at forty five degrees north, and boom, it goes right there. That's that's kind of what we say when we mean a person's a good athlete. Now there are people like um, who are good athletes who can run fast, or especially in certain in sports, they have certain very specific things like football. They are very strong, but um, the real a judge of of a, of a of across the board, whatever sport you're playing, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, is proprioceptive ability. Your your uh, control of your body in space. Is, is that why they kind of encourage athletes to do ballet and, and yeah, things like that? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. and 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 uh, cross training. And uh, this is totally not due to MMA, but I mm-hmm. research this a lot, and it's very interesting because there are a lot of um, you know sports fathers. Who get they, they they want their kids to be champions in boxing or MMA, and the first thing they do is when they're four years old they start them in boxing. And the Soviets, uh, who are no really 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 um, studied athletic performance, athletic development, did not do this. Um, it's really interesting the Soviet uh, uh, athlete protocols. So yes, they would they would divide people up into certain like okay, you're going to be a gymnast, you're going to be a hockey player, you're going to be this. But instead of and and I'm I'm familiar with the sambo tradition, which is the, the Soviet Union's um, martial art, which is a grappling based martial art, but does include some striking, submissions, all, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? Basically, MMA, uh, like a proto MMA, and and it's a very great martial art, so martial art that uh, Khabib studied, and um, it was developed for the Soviet Union military forces, but it became a sport. And most of those sambo guys would go into compete in judo because judo was obviously a worldwide sport where sambo was not. So how did they develop them? They would segue them into wrestling and sambo and this kind of thing. And they would teach them some things, but really what they would do is teach them movement, particularly gymnastics. So you'd start at five or six or seven and yeah, you do some martial art movement or whatever it is you're doing, but really what you're doing is gymnastics and learning how to have your body. And there's a lot of social, uh, uh, physical sports research going on now that, you know, if you want your kid to be a successful athlete, instead of starting them up in baseball in Little League, you should start them up in movement and clean their movement up. And later on, when they have a high level of proprioception, you can, you can, you know, sort of jack that into whatever sport they play. Mm-hmm. When you start them too early in sports, they develop, um, um, they this is adapt too much to that and they develop chronic stress injuries or things like that, burnout, things like that. Uh, and they, they don't necessarily, um, uh, excel. And a really good example of that with this was not a program, but if you look at the, remember the movie Foxtrot? Yeah. With the the wrestler who was killed and is that fox catcher? A fox catcher. I'm fox sorry, catcher. fox catcher. I'm sorry, fox catcher. I'm thinking dancing. Yeah, dancing. <laughs> fox catcher. Right. We were talking about movement drills. So, yeah. um, so um, it's Mark and Dave Schultz, and mm-hmm. 
One of them was killed, but the, the the successful one, the one still still alive. He said, "When did he start wrestling? He started much much later than his brother. His brother started, and then he I think he said he even started in his early teenage years. But what did he do as a kid? He was a gymnast, and actually he did um, he actually had done some traditional karate too. But um, the the karate did is I, I believe a little bit you know, much more traditional with katas and forms and things like that. But uh, really gymnastics and um, and that gives you that foundation. And he said within a year, and his brother had been wrestling for many, many years. But he said within a year, he not only caught up to his brother, but he was he was almost superseding him. So his brother had been wrestling for seven years. He had not. He'd been doing gymnastics. A year of wrestling training with his brother, and he's actually on the same par. And then they wrestled together, head to head, head to head. To, and and he, would, the, the one who started gymnastics, was generally considered the, the better wrestler. Mm. So that's very interesting. Movement is key. And when Daniel Cormier, getting back to him, moves in striking, he's not just awkward. If you see the beginning of the fight, he's tipping over to the side, losing his balance, entering in funky ways, and just doing things with his body that are not efficient and effective. And John Jones never really does that. Mm-hmm. I, once in a while, because well, nobody's perfect, but generally speaking, he's very clean. Uh, and Cormier is not. But Cormier has power, he has speed, explosiveness, and he's overcoming. And then when he's in trouble, he grapples you. And that's exactly what he did. He you know, took a, took a little shot in the beginning, took Ozemir down, and then just just brutalized him, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and so that was it was a, it was a great fight, um, but overall it was it was a really good card. Um, the other thing that was interesting about that fight, and and even though it was a kind of a terrible start for Cormier, and he he got clipped a little bit, um, it's it's a it's a typical, you know, grappler versus striker matchup, and the minute. The minute you saw um, Vulcan uh, Oz- Ozemir, 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 yeah, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name. I apologize if he's listening. Um, the the minute he took them down, you had that level of smash. Just it was like you know taking a beetle and turning it on the back, and he can't move. And and uh, the 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 John Jacques Machado has a great quote, and he said, "When you're on the ground." You're in the ocean, and you don't know how to swim, but I'm a great white shark. Mm-hmm. And and that's that's true. That's what it was like. It was like a shark, or in this case, Cormier eats a little too much Popeye, <laughs> so maybe like a, like a sea lion, <laughs> an orca. Oh. No, don't, don't, don't get mad, John. Oh. No, uh, but he, um, you know, the thing with his Popeye's chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but he was on top of him, and literally... It was like somebody took crazy glue to Ozemir and pasted him to the mat. Mm. He just couldn't move. And then he was put in the crucifix position, top crucifix, which is uh, a brutal position. His hands were tied up, and um, Cormier just uh, uh, laid a beat down. down. I mean, he just, he really just, um, uh, really just wrecked him. Mm. And then they, that, that was it. That was it. That was, it was a very easy win for him, except for that bad, poor start. And, and definitely, Ozemir is the better striker. So, in the stand-up, if it, if it had been a kickboxing match, Ozemir would have killed him. Just mm-hmm. killed him. Um, but anyway, so that, that's, my, that's my thought on that fight. It was, it, was, it was a great, it was an interesting fight. I, I think before we came on, you were talking about that you didn't think Ozemir had deserved kind of the title shot. And, um, and they even Joe Rogan asked him about that. He's like, because uh, there was some speculation that he was not the best opponent. But, you know, I, I believe there's a number of people in that division who are 
out of commission or it's injured. It's a tough, tough weight yeah, class. There's yeah, not yeah. much competition, at least for Cormier. Right, right, right. And and I think it was a specific time where, where there uh, was it Joe Silva, the promoter, you know, had I'd heard had trouble matching other people. But Ozemir had a number of wins, but he, you're right. He, he was not ready for that level. Mm. Um, if you go into a championship match and you do not know how to grapple well, you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Has he ever fought at the, the that level before, Ozemir? Has he ever gone five rounds? I, I don't even know in his um, career. I I don't know his entire record. I know the UFC mostly he's not, but mm-hmm. he's, he's he's been very dominant. He's done well, mm-hmm. um, and he comes from a good camp. He comes from the um, uh, that the, the, the camp that split off from the Black Black Zillions. The Black Zillions was a yeah, team in, in Florida, Florida. Yeah. right? And they split off, and it's Henry Hooft who is an amazing Dutch Muay Thai instructor, and he has his, his camp called Combat Club, and Hooft Combat Club, or Combat Club. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got Durino, Gilberto Burns, he's got... Um, well, Stefan Struve, I think Stefan Struve, there. and also, I believe, Luke Rockhold. I did, I saw on the videos, yeah. they had Luke Rockhold and uh, this guy training together. Yeah, I don't know if That's he's there permanently, confused. or yeah. uh, if he left AKA, yeah. uh, but sometimes, you know, you want different looks, you want to travel. Yeah. In, in ancient Japan, you know, when there were tournaments, to be a good swordsman, to be a good warrior, you'd have to do degeiko. And degeiko would mean you train outside of your own academy. Mm-hmm. You train, uh, you go on a, on a road trip and, and go from school to school. And obviously the most famous one is Miyamoto Musashi who would go around and he was a swordsman who challenged people. But the, the tradition of that is very common. Even if you go to the Kyokushin Karate in the 1950s, they would they would go to Thailand. They 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 went all around to other schools challenging people. And I mean, sometimes it's respectful challenge, sometimes it's not. But you have to travel to other places to get different looks. Otherwise, you can you can stagnate. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you know IKEA is obviously a great academy, but you you want different looks. You want a different different people to work with yeah. and, and I totally understand why Luke is going there so also a lot more people his his size aka tends to be the sizes tend to be a little bit more on the mm-hmm. heavyweight side and um, so you know a little more people his size yeah and they probably encourage him to, to go out there and actually find more you know test I, yourself against I, other people yeah you know I, I don't know it's, it's, there's a money element there obviously so uh, most coaches and promoters or even martial arts school owners can get very um Territorial. Territorial, <laughs> right, right, right. And, you know, um, and I, I, I'll be honest, some people have even accused me of that, which I have no problem with. But but I do – this is the issue. You know, I do have a problem if you're supposed to be in team training on Saturday and you decide to go somewhere else and, and your teammates need you. Mm-hmm. But in generally, generally speaking, I will never disengage. Uh, discourage my students from training somewhere else but if you're getting if our guys are getting ready for a competition uh, everybody's got to band together and help each other and if you're not there then you're kind of selfish um yeah. need some loyalty as yeah well. yeah right yeah. it goes both ways but yeah. uh, that being said um i always encourage my students to if they're traveling or every now and again just drop by another academy and just uh just get a role in here and there i i have some friends in the new york area my old teacher marcelo garcia has his own academy and um uh, i used to train with uh, uh fabio Clemente, who is, uh, has his own academy and uh, my student chad and a few others have joined, gone to those academies for a couple of days here and there and, and just got some work in and it's all friendly and nice and uh those are two amazing jiu-jitsu academies so um not not mma but they're amazing jiu-jitsu academies with amazing guys and nothing but positivity and there were a number of guys from um 
from Marcel's Academy who dropped by mine when they want to do a little bit more MMA style training. We all we're all great friends. We're all in the martial art world together. But that being said, you know, uh, the martial art world at the amateur level and then the pro level when you're dealing with percentages and you know contracts and I don't know how that works. Mm-hmm. You know, I think yeah. the territorial aspect. You know, when money is involved, yeah. it's it's, it's it can be a dirty mm-hmm. business. Yeah. So who knows? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, something just popped in my head. I know we were talking a little earlier about GSP and Bisbing, and we didn't get a chance to talk about Bisbing's next fight that he lost. That fight, I think. I think when I looked at that fight, and kind of the same kind of a feeling I had with the Cormier fight, that it was a confidence boosting fight because Bisbing just came off a big loss to GSP. He was looking to get to feel good about himself to go in there and, and get an easy W. Did you see that fight? And it felt like it was going to be an easy one for him, but it was not an easy fight for him. Is he? Rec- is, can he come back from that? I mean, he, he's still pretty youngish in the in the fighting game. So when will he be back? And will he be the same Bismick? Because his confidence has got to be low. Losing twice in a row. All right, you know how you don't like Daniel Cormier. Well, I don't like uh, this. Thing, so <laughs> you don't care. No, no. Um, <laughs> this is the thing. I have tremendous respect for Bisping. He is a hard worker. He plays an act. I think a majority of his his thing, just like Conor McGregor, they're they're trying to play to the the crowd. No, you know, but you think that he's I still got he's, in yeah, there? Yeah, no, no, he's got that <laughs> okay. like that that British you know chav mm-hmm. you know you know that attitude-y kind of you know I'm a you know I don't There's know blurred don't, lines between yeah, yeah. the but persona anyway, but, and the but, real but guy. putting that aside, yeah. let me. I'm not I don't mean a personal level because I'm really looking just te- just technically mm-hmm. here because personality, of course, he kind of annoys me. But <laughs> but um, but I really respect that. You know, the guy's been in the game for like 20 years or something, and he made it to the title. He made it to the title. But again, objectively speaking, I just did not think he was a powerful champion. I mean, he he fought Dan Henderson, who's like. You know, basically has one punch and nothing else. His body's so broken. Respect to Dan Henderson, but you know he's over the hill. Mm-hmm. And Bisping almost lost that fight. Yeah. You remember he got clipped by Dan Henderson, and he almost got knocked out. And then he wound up winning. But mm-hmm. you're dealing with a guy with one weapon and in his 40s who's broken everywhere, and you can't put him <laughs> away. It's it's like um, that. Being said, you know, I respect Bisping for his hard work. His because when he first came out, he was he was a good striker, but that's all he had. He had no mm-hmm. grappling. Now he's a very accomplished. Excuse me, accomplished for grappler. That level of hard work is great, but I never thought that he was really that good. He mm-hmm. he he maxed out his potential with hard work. He's like the anti John Jones, <laughs> you know, less talent, more hard work. Um, but he, you know, he's he was always B level to me, not A. And he he was lucky that he um, that he, you know, got some lucky. He got some lucky breaks. You know, uh, Rockhold was just totally arrogant and just dropped his hands. Mm-hmm. And he got some lucky breaks, and he made his champion. But obviously, success can be a combination of hard work and luck, and, and he did it. Mm-hmm. But I just never felt that he was uh, so technically domineering. Yeah. Like someone like John Jones or even Daniel Cormier, who, like I said, he has problems with the striking. But Daniel Cormier can pick you up and s- put you in, 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 in the at- you know the stratosphere anytime he wants. Mm-hmm. And uh, that level of dominance... Um, I just didn't see it from Bisping. Bisping is a striker with not a lot of power. He doesn't. Have, he also his eye is damaged. I mean, you know, you know that, mm-hmm. right? He can't see out of his eye well, and he's getting old, and he doesn't have that much of a chin left. Mm-hmm. So, hmm, you know, time to time to think about your future. And so, I was mm-hmm. not surprised he lost it. I give him credit for being a warrior, 
for stepping up in He's such short so notice. Quickly, yeah. So quickly, but that's not so smart either, no. you know? Uh, I had a friend, I won't say his name because I know it's something he listens to the podcast, but he's like, like you want to fight? You fight? Yes, I fight tomorrow. Fight. Good. <laughs> I'd fight next week. Fight. Yeah, I always fight. Fight. Uh, you know, he, he would never turn down a fight. And uh, that's be- so his MMA record is not what it should be because he's like, oh, I fight tomorrow. Good. I fight. I'm a fighter. <laughs> you know, and, and I respect that warrior attitude, but, you know, you're dealing with a guy who's trained for six months or three mm-hmm. years getting ready and you're like, you know, get out of bed. Okay, I fight tonight. Right. You're not going to be at your best mm-hmm. and um, and it's going to be hard, especially, you know, with the George St. Pierre fight. It was, a, it was a war. It was a war and he had some damage and probably didn't recover from it. So I think his manager should have stepped in and said, hmm, you know, like, why don't you take the mandated yeah, why six months? So yeah, yeah. Why, why are you so in, in chomping at the bit? No, um, I, I think that's exactly it. He was chomping the bit. He wanted to win. He wanted to win, yeah. you know, because he wanted to get back on the horse, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, reclaim his title. And uh, sometimes fighters are their own worst enemies because they don't know when to quit or they don't know when to do, my, myself mm-hmm. included. I made some very, very poor decisions in accepting certain fights, and it could have been extremely, extremely uh, dangerous for me. And uh, even one fight, the, the one fight that I lost, um, I had actually broken uh, my ribs and been been injured in my knee. I had a cracked rib, two cracked ribs, and, and a really badly injured knee. And um, and then, you know, that stopped me from. Uh, Maintain managing my weight properly, so I went overweight. So I starved myself. I went into the fight with two broken ribs and a messed up knee, and a weight cut that was terrible. In the dressing room, I was panting before the fight because I couldn't breathe. Mm-hmm. I was panting before the fight, and of course, I fought. <laughs> that taking nothing away from the person who beat me, who was an amazing warrior, went to the UFC, fantastic guy. On my best day, it would have been an incredible challenge to face someone like him. But that was actually one of my worst days, and I wish I could have, win, lose, or draw, been made, had someone sell it, say to me, look, you are not in shape to fight. But the reason I did that was because I had gotten injured before and canceled one fight. And then, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't want people to think I'm like, uh, you know, and that wouldn't be such a nice word to say. But, you know, you know you're know, you such a loser, such a wimp, and I don't want them to think that. I don't cancel fights. I'm going to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. And somebody should have sat down and said... Stop being an idiot. Fight when you're healthy. Yeah. You know, so you're, you're, as fighters, you're your own worst enemy. And I, 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 even though I'm not a big Vissing fan, uh, I understand that feeling. You lost. You want to get back in. Mm-hmm. You should have taken the mandated for his, his general health going forward and, and, uh, t- take the mandated, um, you know, recommended right. rest period. You know, I bet there was somebody on his team that told him no. And he, I could see his personality being like, fuck you. I'm yeah, doing it. Exactly. Right. Um, and, and I heard he's, he's like his own, his own like he's not one of those fighters that's in a in a camp mm-hmm. you know like and it's it's um you know the aka is a camp of like sort of jackson wink bisping is bisping and he just does his thing and so you can't really tell a guy like that what to do <laughs> which is fine you know yeah. i mean you know it's he has a right to do whatever he wants but you're going to suffer the consequences if you take a fight three weeks after a, yeah. a devastating loss I wonder how long it'll be before we see him again. Is he going to take the the time to recuperate, or is he going to just focus on being a media person and just being a host? Of stuff I don't know. You know, I, I've seen him on TV a few times. I have to say that he is very good on camera. His podcast I, is good. Oh, I've never listened to yeah, it. I did not know good. he had a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is it called? I have no idea what it's called. It's how to be a jerky Englishman? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> send all of your complaints to Renee. Uh, uh, I'm not sure what the name of it is. But so um, in the same vein, if, if Cormier had lost this fight, is that the end of Cormier? Because he's coming off two big losses. No. No? No. Because, uh, well, it's two losses to the same person. Yeah. So, you That's know. demoralizing. Yeah, yeah. yeah but it's, like it's. his second loss, he was crying. In yeah, the but you're losing to the best sure. guy in you're the world who. Yeah, guy. right. Exactly. It's not like, you know. Um, but Cormier is the product of a world-class room. And what I mean by room is a world-class wrestling room. Yeah. And while there's a lot of things in wrestling, in the wrestling world, that are unhealthy, like uh, we, we're actually going to talk about a new podcast is weight cutting and nutrition. Um, and the, the, in the rivalry in the room, because there's one spot at 185 or 175 or 205 or, or whatever weight class, there's one spot and there's like 10 guys that want it. And while there's teamwork, they're also they're your opponents too. Mm-hmm. The intensity of a world-class wrestling room is almost unmatched in any martial art. And, you know, for colleges, even though it's an amateur sport, it's also big business. So it's mm-hmm. like you're going to say like college basketball is amateur. Well, yeah, not really. Coll- you know, uh, 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 college football, there's nothing amateur about it. Right. It's These are gladiators. And when you get through that room, those kind of rooms, and you are successful at the world stage, you have iron in your veins and i don't think anybody can break cormier they can beat him mm-hmm. but i don't think they can break him uh he's just he's just mentally he and khabib have it these guys that went through these rooms that were just day in day out slog mm-hmm. there's an there's a there's a a, a a strength that that cannot be broken in competition They've gone through, and then the same with Ronda Rousey. Now Ronda Rousey got knocked out, but she wasn't broken. She didn't. She didn't like, you know. She was there to fight, and and the same thing with you. Obviously, you know, her striking was terrible, and that's it. But but the woman has heart. The same thing could be said about um, Cain Velasquez, who was perennially injured, but the man has no quit. You'll never see them like, oh, he tapped out early or something like mm-hmm. that. You know, the guy's gonna go. All, you know. As the Spartans say, you know, come back uh, uh, on your uh, with on your shield, shield or on it. it. Yeah, yeah you, this is going to come back on their shield. You know, they're there. I don't think so, uh, Cormier, barring injuries, w- will will be retiring for some time. But barring injuries, but he does. You know, AK is riddled with injuries, so you yeah. never know. So do you see Cormier fighting until he? I, I think he's going to wait till John Jones back. That's his dream. His dream is John Jones comes it's back. Like I'm going to fight four him. years, right? Minimum. As I heard, and then it's a, if, if he doesn't go to Japan, then he's done right, forever. Right, right. As I heard, they're in discussions about, um, you know, that it was some sort of tainted supplement, and it mm. might be shorter. I don't follow the, the drama here and there, so I don't know. Actually, mm. I'll be honest with you; it was a student in my academy who mentioned to me. I didn't research it, but that did he's such a draw. I could also see a little shenanigans to bring him back, but you yeah. know, if he if he came back to if he started fighting in Japan, you know what I think Cormier would do? Go to Japan. He'd go to Japan and fight him. You know, that's the kind he of thing. He wants to chase him. Yeah, that's the kind of thing. And I, I was, yeah, exactly right. Um, yeah, I saw, an, uh, and then he'd lose on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> they had somebody from USADA on talking about. Oh, really? John Jones thing. It's a good one to check out. Oh, yeah. I'll definitely they, check that they out. They definitely went in-depth on, on what substance was being tested for and how many times they tested him and kind of the next steps. Um, so it could be less than four. But I think a minimum, it, we're looking at at least two years. If it's if he's Because yeah. they can't make him not 
not not guilty. Like he's he'd had something in the system. They have to punish him somehow. Yeah, and they did that to Ryota Machida. Machida actually reported himself. Are you kidding? No, because what happened was he was on the supplement. Um, it's not a steroid, but it's it's sort of he took it as a mood enhancer. Then you know just just mm-hmm. calm him down, and it was not illegal. And then the rules changed. They made it illegal, but he was not aware of the rule change. Mm-hmm. And then he found out, and he said, "Look, I took this, and it wasn't a. Uh, it's like a DHEA or something like that. I don't know some some lower level thing. It's not a not a, a anabolic or anything like that. Obviously, it can enhance your performance to some extent, but it's not it's not building muscle or speed. Or, it's more like one of those uh, mood and you know kind of like slow. He said he had trouble sleeping, and it would help him sleep, kind of thing." Mm-hmm. So he reported himself, and they 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 banned him for yeah like two years and for mm-hmm. nothing. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe John Jones will never come back. Yeah. You know, it's just, just what a waste. We could spend an hour talking. Yeah, about yeah, John yeah Jones. exactly. Let's not go there. Um, right? <laughs> more I'm, more interesting things to talk about. I'm kind of hoping that that Cormier has a couple of great good fights in a row, and then he's can can retire on top. Wow, I'm you, scared you, of you who's, don't like him. You want him to go. I'm scared of who's coming in the light heavyweight division. That there's going to be somebody that really embarrasses him. You know, gets a first round knockout, and then Cormier has to live that as his as his legacy. Like right now, he's the champ. Yeah, you'll defend it two more times and then retire. You know um, that that look. I'm not in Cormier's head, but um, I think the only the, the thing that would make him retire <clears throat> would be injuries. Um, he hasn't not, really been injured though. He has not. You know, I, serious. I don't think they've publicized it, but I think he's had some here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't publicize it. Mm-hmm. But but um, and then maybe he was able to therapy it out or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe he broke his hand too. You know, uh, I forgot. But anyway, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, you know, and you get older though, uh, your body starts getting weaker, and he's 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 going to be forty soon. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, uh, injuries and and recovery time. Um, these are these are serious things. So I think that that's what. I, but but his fight spirit seems to be uh, undiminished, mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't see it any other way. The other thing is, you know, and this is my personal journey is I enjoyed competing. And I see this in Cormier. He really enjoys coaching. Mm, so yeah. maybe he just gets more joy out of coaching at one point too. And I, I, I saw I saw the the you know UFC behind the scenes or whatever it's called, countdown, blah, blah, blah. And there's a whole a- emphasis on him in the academy, running the practices, running the coaching. You know, real team player and real mm-hmm. enjoyment and love. Like I said, love for his team and his AKA family. And mm-hmm. that, that's uh, it's kind of touching. Nice. You know? Yeah, CC's um, not a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know him. I can't say. <laughs> I don't either. Um, I don't either. So, uh, Stipe and Francis. Yes. Um, I was conflicted on this fight because I think Nagano, is that how you pronounce his last name? Yes. Uh, he is an amazing person. From any interviews I've seen, he no, seems absolutely. like a great guy. Yes. He's an athlete like a motherfucker. Um, wow. wow. Sorry wow. for the language. Just, just, yeah, I can't have explicit. my mom listen to this podcast. Uh, he, I'll, bleep, I'll bleep it out. <laughs> That's totally hypocritical because I cursed him. <laughs> <a few. laughs> he's, he's, he's an amazing athlete. He's got such power. Like he broke records. The, you know, he, yeah, the, they, they yeah. supposedly in the UFC Performance Institute, they did a really rigorous scientific study, and he has more punching power than any recorded human. I think he did 151,000 PSI. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's insane. Like, yeah. that's, he's a monster. Monster. And then I like Stipe because I watched him, like, kind of come up and get his shot and defend it, you know, win the title was a huge thing. And, and you know, my brother in law wrestled with him in college. So, like, no I'm, kidding. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I like him. 
the more I get to know Stipe, like behind the scenes, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't know. Do you watch those uh, those behind the scenes I, things? I, you know, with the when UFC? It, I I like I turn it on to see the method of coaching and training, yeah. but I generally, when it comes to the blah blah blah, I mute it. You're not into that. So yeah, I turn it up. I'm into the drama. So I, I don't know if he is a great. I mean, I don't want to comment on people's personal lives or anything. So let's just talk about his his fighting. Uh, he's a great athlete. He's a good fighter. He's got one punch knockout power. Um, so I was conflicted. I don't know. Do I want Nagano? Do I want Stipe? Obviously, Stipe came out on top, and um, I didn't see the fight, but everything I read about it said that he dominated. Yeah, you know, this is uh, one of my students, uh, Jeff. Um, Jeff Lau asked me. He's like, "What do you? What do you think? What do you? How do you think it's going to go?" And um, I, I said, "You know, Stipe is has the skills to to win. Uh, however, sometimes some strikers, especially this kind of like." Blue collary, mm-hmm. like you know, I, yeah, clay weed, and not just yeah, but the, the blue collar, like I'm yeah. gonna get in your face, I'm gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna go to war. Mm-hmm. That that machismo attitude, rather than being tactical, being being like I'm gonna show you who can strike hard, that kind of thing. He could he could go there, and I said if he does that, he's gonna die. Mm. But he didn't. He came in with the opening Smart. bell, boom, he shot in, mm. and he shot in singles, singles, singles. And high seas, the head outside single, which can be problematic for a guillotine, but in this case, you know, what really wasn't, Nagano couldn't do anything, and he just kept, kept clinching with him, took him down. The minute, again, classic grappler striker. You're talking one of the strongest guys on the planet. You know, you know, Nagano used to work in a, in a, um, in a sand mine or salt mine or something like that, where he was just lifting thousands of pounds of like mining stuff all day he's a beast yeah and 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 you're talking about personally you know the guy was like homeless five years ago it's crazy and you know it's just a nice rags rich yeah. story it's a great guy but he does not have the skill uh in the grappling and the jujitsu element to even escape the most basic side control position he was put in side control mm. and you could just see him turning almost turning color because the adrenaline dump was so immense and then he's like and this you know i i I have people when i have new students in the academy i'm like that are using too much strength i'm like okay try and bench press me off and it's they can't do it or they do it possibly and they're just so exhausted they can't fight anymore Mm -hmm. okay now you bench press me over you didn't okay now we really fight what do you got left and they have nothing left the Mm -hmm. adrenaline has exploded through their system then once the adrenaline wave crashes your body is just exhausted. And you could see right after the first round, and and he was outgrappled completely. I have, I have some notes here that I want to refer to. Yeah, so he was crushed in side control. And then um, Stipe, he, he had a really interesting theory. There was this wrestling move called the Power Half Nelson, where you, you basically have your hand. You know what Nelson is, right, with the, the mm-hmm. hands underneath the arm. So he had one hand underneath his shoulder and one elbow on, the, on uh, Nagano's neck. So he kept pushing Nagano's head down and yanking his shoulder and not trying to take him down there against the cage. Not trying to take him down, not trying to submit him. Just make Nagano carry Stipe's weight. Mm-hmm. And Stipe was just short punching and just laying on him and just grinding him down with weight. And the, the adrenaline wave is, is, has, has gone down. And then Nagano, by the third round, do you know the stats? No. I, I here look at the stats. I actually uh, uh, copied them so I could show them to you. Um, this, this is amazing. Not only was it was a, a virtuoso performance. Let me let me pull it up right now. So let's go through the striking stats. Um, where's my picture? Here it is. Okay, so um, here we go. 
So round one, it's 20 significant strikes to 17. Nagano versus Stipe. Uh, then it's uh, Stipe was 20 and Nagano was 17. Round two, 31 to 4, Stipe. Mm. Round three, 54 strikes to 8. Round four, 82 strikes to 0. Oh my God. Not one strike. And round five, 21 to five. Unreal. Wow. Unreal. There, I don't think there has been such a one-sided beatdown in U.S. In US heavyweight You history. can read those stats and you can see the fight. Just you can, yeah, you can imagine it's what insane. happened. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the, the, the Stipe was very tactical and very smart, and the use of the power half was just brilliant. And you know, it's like it's funny that um, I, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable in jujitsu, and I know the power half, and I'm like, huh, I don't teach that enough. We're gonna do that, <laughs> you know, like you like I, I learned it, I learned it, and 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 I used to work it with a friend of mine, Gene, and um, was a great wrestler. He's a wrestling instructor at NYU, and uh, he he. Uh, he was like, oh, I do the power half this way. And I'm like, oh, this is really good. And we used to do it from certain positions. And now I see how he's doing a power half and just making the guy carry his weight. And he didn't, you know, the, 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 he didn't try to submit him. And this was like kind of a theme that I saw throughout all of, um, all of the, the night of the UFC. And there's some real interesting tactical elements. Um, but basically, you know, we think of jiu-jitsu as like going for submissions. And there's a really interesting article that I want to talk about, um, about the rate of per- percentage of submissions in MMA being very high, actually. Um, 20%, 20% of fights end in submission. 50% end in, 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 in uh, decisions. And then, uh, then there's like TKO, KO, and submission. But, so everybody sees, see, Jiu-Jitsu works, 20%. That's almost 50% of non-decision victories. It's almost 50, you know, the non-decision victories are, or the decisions are 50%. The remaining 50%, 20, almost 25% mm-hmm. are submissions. So like, oh, jiu-jitsu is good. Oh, it's even more. Because we decide, we look at jiu-jitsu as being a submission art. No, it is not. Any jiu-jitsu practitioner will tell you it's about body control. How to control another human being and, and offset their movement and use their movement against them and to basically turn them into a human pretzel. You know, make movement difficult for them. And if you look at Stipe, well, obviously he's a wrestler. He's not a jiu-jitsu guy, but he had some control. Daniel Cormier, too. Um, and you look at a number of fights um, uh, that happened, and you can see that uh, that um, uh, the control level, the level of control there was the deciding factor in many fights. Cormier beat, do you remember Anthony Johnson? Mm-hmm. Now, Cormier beat Anthony Johnson from what we call a spiral position in a wrist ride. And obviously, this control exists in wrestling, too. It's not unique to jiu-jitsu, but the, the attacking the back with a spiral in a wrist ride, which is basically the guy's on all fours. He's on all fours, you know, on elbows and knees. And the, the opponent, the, the person on top, say, in this case, Daniel Cormier, would be on the side, wrapping his arm around the waist and just teeing off on him. And that ability to control the turtle position, that, that all force position, is key to victory there. And and um, and um, um, that happened in this this UFC last night too. So that is considered a TKO victory. So you think, oh, it's striking, but it was the control of wrestling or jiu-jitsu 
that allowed that TKO to happen. Mm-hmm. So we say, oh, TKO, it's punches, so it must be striking. No, 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 no. It's not, it's not the Muay Thai guys who are doing this. It's the wrestlers and to some extent the jiu-jitsu guys who are doing it, who are using the body control, the understanding of body control to dominate and, and put a hurt on someone. Well, it could be a submission, it could not. But we, we, we see that very often it's not. So, so Cormier won with uh, the crucifix position where he was lying on top and pinning the guy's arms and elbowing him. But that is wrestling. And even though it was striking, mm-hmm. it's wrestling. It's MMA wrestling. And the same thing with the power half in Stipe. That was wrestling right there. Wrestling one-on-one, even though using that power half to set up knees to the ribs and punches to the face. But it was wrestling and body control, which is really um, un- under underappreciated. Mm-hmm. So so uh, the, 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 the key to those two fights were um, – the body, the ability of one person to impose his will on another person's movement. Yeah, you control the fight. Control the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and against the cage, and uh, and then you know um, that was just. I felt bad for Nagano. He felt bad for him. I did too. <laughs> um, I don't know if he was. Did they push him into this fight too quickly because he, he came off a really big win, you know, a very fantastic win with that uppercut, you know, and he was the super. He's the next superstar. Did they push him too soon to go for this fight? I mean, he took it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. I, I think he was not. I, I said this when they booked it. I said, there's no way. If CBA fights smart, there's no way this guy can, mm-hmm. can do it. But, you know, MMA is an entertainment business. And, of course. Yeah. And Nagano is a big, scary black guy. <laughs> and <laughs> that racial element plays into it for sure. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of gross. But, you know, like the, the, the Mayweather-McGregor thing. There was a very ugly racial element there, but it sells tickets. You know mm-hmm. that's why that fight was one of the most watched, and and you know a guy like that though, putting racial stuff aside, but the guy a guy like that who punches so hard, it does make it exciting. Yeah. But when you have a tactical person ready to use intelligence uh, and technique and strategy, brute force is goes out the window. Mm-hmm. That being said. I was not a Nagano fan until I actually really researched him. For the guy who's been training five years, so people say two. He's only been in the UFC two, but he's actually been training for almost five years now, three, three and a half, four years, almost five years. And um, the guy's striking is really good, like better than Daniel Cormier's. <laughs> like, like, I mean, he's not just power. He has some very, very, very good technique, yeah. very clean technique. He's a really great athlete yeah. and uh, – Dedicated and like you said, nice guy, and, and I'm sure he'll be back and yeah, he'll fill out things. the gaps in his in his yeah. fighting, and, and oh. he'll be a better fighter next time we yeah. see him. He reminds me of Brock Lesnar, where Brock Lesnar was very very one dimensional. Yeah. Brock Lesnar was a grappler who couldn't strike for crap. Mm-hmm. He's a striker who can't grapple for crap. But let's see. Unfortunately, Brock Lesnar never learned how to punch. Yeah, let's hope he doesn't <laughs> and go the Brock Lesnar route. I think Nagano, you know, Nagano used to be homeless. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a general humility. That's why white people like him. He's generally a humble guy. Mm-hmm. And humble people learn from their mistakes. And, uh, and that's a, that's a, that's a, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, he'll be back. I think he's got the hunger too. He's got a taste of, um, UFC and, and that kind of thing, and he's not going to go back. Kicking and screaming. That definitely beats a working at um, Home Depot, which is where he was a stock boy or something, okay, you know? Great. So, uh, I mean, not nothing, no disrespect to Home Depot. Obviously, every job is awesome. But, mm-hmm. you know, like when you're, you know, that's, that didn't mean it, that sounded like really disgusting. But I you know, you're comparing, uh, you know, UFC heavyweight title champ. Yeah, right. Yeah, you see what I'm saying. Shows. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, I, there's a couple other things I want to talk about. 
on this fight. Is that okay? Of course. Or are we done? Or we, no, yeah, we have 15 minutes left. Huh? 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> there, it, you know, this is a real interesting fight. It was Shane Burgos versus Calvin Qatar. It was, okay. it was not like two kind of not so well-known guys. Mm-hmm. But it was a really interesting technical war. And it was the, you know, the, the Bellator was on last night too, and everyone's yeah. talking about Lima and McDonald, mm-hmm. which turned out to be not really that technical. I mean, it was, it was a good fight. It was fine, but it was, um, it was not that interesting. And, um, it was basically, you know, two guys who were good at striking, kind of strike, but they didn't, they didn't do, um, anything really, really fascinating. Um, now what I liked about this, um, uh, Burgos uh, uh, versus Qatar fight is Burgos is a guy who who's very well trained um, uh, a boxer obviously has good hands but he's more of a body shot guy he's more he doesn't extend his reach he's an infighter classic like old school kind of Dempsey you know Tyson infighting mm-hmm. versus you're talking about Qatar who's like an Ali outside you know um, you know really movement and it was a classic battle of jab versus body shot. And um, Burgos is going for the the the, the jab, the, the body shots, body shots, and he's trying to chip away at Qatar. But Qatar just he keeps the most beautiful jab I've seen. Just pata, 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 and he's just setting him up, distance management, distance management, and he's just avoiding, avoiding, and ch- and just scientifically destroying him with pure efficiency. Mm. And that's that educated jab. And one of the great things I like to see is that the striking MMA. Over the last few years, has really, really gotten gone up. Now, the high level striking has always been there. Um, Cormier aside, I mean, <laughs> um, anti Cormier. So. No, I mean, his striking is not that good. I mean, it's about power. But 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 you look at the TJ Dillashaws and Dominic Cruz; they're really amazing. Mm-hmm. But the the low level guys were kind of crappy. You know, they were like, you know, they, there was the highs and the lows. Now the lows, even the guys you don't name. Those guys, everybody's really skilled. The bottom has has gone up, mm-hmm. where you you see this guy I'd never seen before. I'm like, wow, that is a beautiful, educated jab, and pop, 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 pop. And then he sat him out. He was like, the the footwork. Dominic Cruz was talking about this. Is the footwork was a this bouncy into? It's a little bit like like karate footwork, but it's boxing, obviously. But it was like in and out, in and out, in and out, pop, pop, one, two hits him, and then it was just it was just great. The one thing that I didn't see, or I'd like to see a little bit more, was a little bit more angling, like the DJ Dillashaw's. Like, you see, the way guys strike mm-hmm. at 145 and 135 and 125 is not the way, is, is, is way far ahead of the heavyweights. The heavyweights don't, don't switch stances as much. John Jones is the only exception where he switches stances quite often. But, um, most of the guys don't switch stance, which is, you know, uh, kind of the, the thing in MMA now. And they're, they don't angle as much as the low lightweight class. But what I'm seeing is I'm really interested to see the percolation of those lightweight striking theories into the heavier weights. Mm-hmm. And these guys weren't like, you know, heavyweights. They were they were like I think one fifty five or something like that. But um maybe even one forty five. But 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 you know, I, I see the level of even the no name guys just, just much higher. It's wonderful to see a really educated jab. And the the one thing is, you know, you if you're a boxing aficionado, and I have some friends who are boxing aficionados, they're not big MMA fans. And they're like they'll look at Cormier and they'll say, Cormier's striking sucks. And I can't really say it doesn't. Now, he's not a striker, he's a grappler, so it's a ho- total game, you know? Um you have to clinch and you have to take that, do takedowns and you have to strike. And also MMA striking is different from traditional boxing. Like, 
you know, it just is different because of the kicks and all that. But you can't look at Cormier's stance. I told you he's kind of ugly in this, and you can't. There's certain fights you look at, and you're like, yeah, that that just sucks. That's <laughs> that sucks. Like that sucks. And like oh, old school Vanderlei Silva, it's like ugh, it's just it's powerful, but the guy sucks. Mm-hmm. You look at now, you look at the up and coming guys in MMA, and I could show them to any boxing aficionado, and he'd be like, yeah, okay, those guys are good, whatever. You know, like he'd have to admit it. He, yeah. You could look at this guy, Qatar, and you'd be like, man, that guy can box. And his opponent, Burgos, you're like, that guy can box. That's that's nice. That's good, clean, awesome technique. And it's nice to see that, you know. It took a while um, for the, the real high-level boxing to, to and, and, and striking to, to make it. And I think it's the last piece that's really going to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not the last piece, but, but, but definitely a piece that needs to evolve further. And it is. And it is. And, and that educated jab to see that pop, pop, pop is like watching, you know, you know, Ali dancing. Dun, 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 dun. And um, it, it, was, it was exciting to see that level of clean technique. And my wife and I were looking at it we're like, that's pretty cool. And then there was another fight, Rob Ford. Um, a fought and the same thing. He he had um, he had some really nice striking and just mm-hmm. ran a clinic, um, which was very different from the other fight. There was a Francimar Barroso, who's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter, and I think he has some striking background, but he looked terrible. Mm-hmm. Total props, terrible distance management, terrible movement, just just awful. Awful, 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 <laughs> awful. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. I'm not trying to trash talk, but yeah. it was like that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know that the like how could this be this guy be on the stage and not be so so technical? You know. Interesting. And anyway, so that's my those are my take on those fights, and um, and and in Bellator, Aaron Pico, the famous famous big prospect, Aaron Pico won again, mm-hmm. and what did he win with? Beautiful striking and a body shot that was just crazy so yeah it's even in bellator where it's, it's sort of like you know ufc light or you know ufc crap usually but <laughs> but uh but i hate bellator um <laughs> i hate bellator uh but um but even then you can see that the levels going what up what was the main event for bellator there was M- mcdonald's and lima and rampage and yep. which i refuse to rampage. watch i don't I, I don't know what happened chael son versus rampage i don't know i don't want to know oh chael son his podcast is not a good podcast. Sorry. What, what, what is what is? Yes, <laughs> yeah. You're learning a lot. It, it's like uh, something about Chelsea on his thoughts or something. It's just him throwing up into a microphone for an hour about his stupid thoughts and. Uh, I would rather shoot myself in the foot than listen to yeah, that. Yeah, don't listen to Chelsea. And you know, you know, he's a convicted. Uh, 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 he's a real estate fraud. So he's, you know, he's actually done some. I didn't even know he was still fighting. I'm. I don't even want to know that. I apologize. <laughs> or even bring it up <laughs> and, to our and listeners. Rampage, Rampage too. Like, the guy's got to go off into the sunset and, and, you know. Go make movies. Yeah, exactly. Right, yeah. right. Go be, uh, you know, Mr. Rampage T. was in A-Team. He was actually, Mr. T, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, you know. And um, I think he was in the Fast and Furious or something. One of those Furious. I haven't Furious seen. 12, who knows. Furious 12. Oh, uh, God. All right. So the, the theme of this podcast is we hate Daniel Cormier. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it was a great event. Um, I am so happy to be back in the studio. Sitting across from this man, listening to all the in-depth analysis that he brings to the table. I'm sitting over here just talking about the the drama behind the scenes and, and spreading stories like a little girl. Um, but this guy comes in here with the notes. He's ready to go. This is what you guys come here to listen to. You don't listen to me. You're listening to Renee Dreyfus. Coach Renee, Radical MMA. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's only a few people that uh, 
that I thought would listen to me, but it turns out that our podcast is pretty popular. You said it's number one on the number one. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I want to thank all those listeners to, to listening to me. And I, today we didn't. We were supposed to have a guest. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't make it. But uh, I want to have uh, going forward some content. We're back. We're gonna have some really good historical content that mm-hmm. a lot of you guys were clamoring for. I got a bunch of emails, and feel, guys, feel free to email through the Facebook page. Yeah. Um, any content that you would like, uh, especially the historical. I got tons of. Um, uh, 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 people asking me about um, the links between the, the more traditional martial arts and the modern martial arts and what I can see mm-hmm. as the commonalities or the disparate elements. And uh, the other thing is um, uh, we're going to have a, a great friend of mine, a physician, my training partner, uh, on, and he we're going to discuss nutrition and the MMA injuries and weight cutting and all these – and the medical sides of uh, of this. It's very interesting that yeah. – um, that I we ran out of time. Could you have two more minutes? Yeah, uh, minute yeah. thirty. Yeah, minute thirty. So <laughs> one interesting thing is that, um, and I'm going to post the video, guys. I want you to check the the, the Facebook page. I'm going to post the video of the one shot that almost dropped Stipe, and it was Nagano's shot, and Stipe blocked like a boxer. Mm. Now, where did Nagano hit him? It was the same punch that hit Randy Couture. It hit him in the back of the neck, and I have a video of it that we took. We I videoed it, and you can see it hits him in. The lower medulla oblongata, um, pons area, right was the back of your brain, mm-hmm. as cerebellum, that area, which is a terrible place to get hit. But most boxing blocks block like uh, halfway up your head. Yeah. And Stipe almost lost that fight there. So it's interesting. We're going to talk about that, those issues, the neurological trauma, health issues, weight cutting. And I can't wait to have my friend on. Uh, uh, and as I said, anybody has some content that they would like to um, add, uh, uh, ask us yeah. about. Um, for sure. Let us know what you want to hear, and yeah. we'll give it to you. All right, Renee. Great to be back. Thank you for coming into the studio. We'll see you guys next week on the Martial Culture Podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at Martial underscore Culture and on Instagram at Martial Culture Cast. Please leave a review on iTunes, and we'll see you next time on the Martial Culture Podcast.